Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the FMIA Minipod, my weekly look previewing the Football Morning in America column, which is now up at NBCSports.com and ProFootballTalk.com. You know, it was really an interesting Super Bowl 54. I liked it a lot. Uh, I'm going to get to the uh, to the lead of my column in a minute, which basically is about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think in the history of my column, and I've been doing this column for oh, going on 23 years now, and I don't believe that I have ever led the column with the same team three weeks in a row. But the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl and coming off covering the AFC Championship game against Tennessee and then riding to work with Andy Reid last week. Uh, it just... Um, I, you know, I don't know. It feels like I've gotten to know the Chiefs awfully well in the last few weeks. But we'll get to the column in a moment. But I had a couple of recordings that I wanted to share with you. Um, the first is a recording from the Kansas City locker room. Uh, I had a, a short conversation with Patrick Mahomes soon after the game. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes with uh, another great performance. But as I covered this game, what was so crazy is that he was almost the goat of the week. If this was a three-period game, uh, if this was hockey, he would have been the goat of the week, three periods. But, uh, you know, Mahomes, I think, be- becoming the the youngest ever Super Bowl MVP uh I thought he really did a good job at what quarterbacks have to do, which is have a short memory. Part of my column is basically about how, uh, you know, the the way this game went. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ended up, you know, as I found out after the game in the locker room, he's the one who called for the uh, the biggest play of the game you know, the 44-yard pass to Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter that really sparked the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's start with that play. And let's start with my conversation with Patrick Mahomes. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? Okay, congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So on the third and 15, on the sidelines, at some point in the second half, you said to Andy and to Mike Kafka, I want to run that 
play again that we ran in the first half? Yeah, yeah. It was a play that went right off the one that we had, and so I just wanted to, to run it to get it out there and give Tyreek a chance to make a play. And how they were playing, how the safety was robbing, uh, I knew Kels would take that guy, and it would be, Kel- I mean, be Tyreek one-on-one with the safety. So we went to it, and it worked out. But it was a different call, right? Yeah, it was. It was He's going to the cone. It was right one that went, ju- went just off the, the one that we had ran earlier in the game, and he had gotten pressed up. And it's actually the, the one we had the big completion against New England in the AFC Championship last year. When you were a kid, when's the first time you dreamed of this moment? Yeah, I mean, I think it was honestly when I got a little older in, like, middle school area. And I think I saw I was watching the games and seeing them say, I'm going to Disney World, and I knew I wanted to do that. And so uh, to be able to say that, be able to win the, the championship, it was amazing. Did you say anything to your teammates in the huddle nine minutes to go after you had thrown the two picks on the two previous series? Yeah, I just said to keep fighting. That same thing I've been saying the entire postseason when we were down is just let's go do something special. Let's go out there and find a way to win one play at a time. And I think the best thing was that the team had confidence in me. I had two interceptions in the third quarter, and then for them to still believe in me and tell me to keep firing it, it gave me the confidence to go out there and win. How sick did you feel? with those interceptions? I felt bad. The first one was horrible. I mean, I, I really I tried to do too much with stretching the guy and try to do a, make a perfect throw, which I probably shouldn't have never done, hit him right between the five and the four. And the second one, to be in field goal range and then to throw a tip interception, that I thought that was going to hurt us a lot more than it did. And so it was uh, it was definitely something that I was very sick, but uh, luckily I got to bounce back in the fourth quarter and get the win. Congrats, huh, Pat? Thank you. Really happy you. for you. It. You do it the right way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So on the heels of that, we might as well get right into Andy Reid. I spent a little bit of time in his office with him after the game. And I think Reid's situation was so interesting because he clearly was, uh, you know, he had uh, sort of, he was tugging at the heartstrings uh, of America because so many people wanted him to win a Super Bowl after all these years of being a bridesmaid. So let's go to my conversation with Andy Reid in his coach's office after the game. It's a three-by-one formation. You got Bell alone on the right to what? Occupy some bodies. Chipping. And then on the left, you've got Kelsey outside. You've got... Hill inside, and you've got Watkins snug to the formation. Um, first, just tell me if you can, Patrick appealed to run this play again, right, at some point in the second half? No, no absolutely. No, he wanted the play. So um, that's one of the advantages of sitting over there with him, <laughs> that you get a feel for what he likes, and, you know, and, and so that was one of his uh, plays. We call it Wasp, and, uh, you know, literally put the stinger on him. And were there others today like that one that he that he wanted to run, you know, during the game where he would tell you? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we talk every series about plays that he likes and doesn't like and uh, feels at that time. That's that's uh, like I said, that's why I sit over there. And um, and then I talked to Eric Bieniemy and, and Mike Kafka at the same time. And 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 uh, we present him stuff. He'll talk about stuff he likes. And it's a it's an open, open forum right there which I think is important. If he says he wants something specifically, does that really make you want to call it or not necessarily? No, absolutely. If he wants it, he's normally going to rip your heart out when he gets it. And so, um, you know, he's feeling it. Um, he's, he's unique that way. He's got great vision and feel. And so if, he's, if he feels it, I'm giving it to him. You stole a Kyle Shanahan play today, didn't you? The play where you overload the line 
and in this play Watkins sort of leaked out to the left because there's so much traffic there so many bodies there you expect that he should be open now he wasn't totally open but he won a contested ball yeah, actually, we ran that in the first game of the season. So, yeah, so maybe he stole it from us. Uh, no, he ran it in 2010. <laughs> I just wrote about it. Don't you read Football Morning in America? Come on. Uh, absolutely. I don't miss it. Uh, miss a beat there, man. Um, yeah, we've been running that for a while. So it's, uh, um, that's an old play. Throwback. Two other things. You were very, uh, very kind of modest and non-high strung about wanting to win this but now that you have won it what does it mean to you i'm not sure it's sunk in quite yet but it's uh it's sunk in enough to where i appreciate it you're, you're humbled by it because it, it, it's so many people and so many years that have been involved uh with it um i understand though i truly understand that the game is not about one person so i've been fortunate to be around a lot of people great people but I mean, it's special. We're in it to win it, right? I mean, that's why that's why you're one of the reasons you're coaching football is uh, so that you can get to the finals with that team, build that team, get together with that team, and enjoy that that, that flight to winning the world championship. So, um, from that standpoint, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm very excited. I mean, that was one of our goals as a football team. That was one of our goals, not about one guy, but it was one of our goals as a team. Thoughts going through your mind when there's nine minutes to go. You're way backed up in your own territory. You're 85 yards away, and you're down 10. And maybe you have two possessions left. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, first of all, let's get, a, let's get our hurry-up offense going. And, um, and just, you know, we'll go, uh, we'll go from there. And, and uh, with this group, I, I don't ever doubt them. I mean, I just they've, they've built that confidence in me, the – to where I, I go, all right, if we just click for a second, we're going to get you. <laughs> but, but we just got to get it clicking. And, uh, and then here we go. So that's what happened defensively, offensively. Special teams back the guys up. And, um, you know, we had great field position. Um, last thing, when you saw Mahomes throw two interceptions, it, w it was just kind of strange, especially because he threw one right to Fred Warner. So... Did you think at all at that moment, A, might not be our day, B, uh, for some reason it's not Patrick's day? Yeah, you know, I never think that. I always think with him, keep firing. And, uh, you know, I've seen this before. And right when you don't think he's going to do something, he, he again, he rips your heart out and uh, with, with great plays. And so uh, you saw that with Larry Bird. Larry Bird might have gone cold for a little bit, but he kept shooting. And that's what you do with the great ones. And this kid's young, but he's great. And uh, he's going to do nothing but get better than he is now. So let's get to the lead of my column. It's Dateline Miami Gardens, Florida, which is where Hard Rock Stadium is. And I just finished writing this about one hour ago at about 4.30 in the morning. And again, you can find it at NBCSports.com and ProFootballTalk.com. Miami Gardens, Florida. Tyreek Hill, rushing through his last interview of the night near his locker, heard a mystery man behind him making an exultant, guttural noise. Hill couldn't, ex couldn't escape Patrick Mahomes' clutches. Mahomes bear-hugged Hill from behind, 
almost lifting the 180-pound man off the ground. Ah! Was the approximate noise that came out of Mahomes' mouth. We did it! Then Mahomes went on to the defensive backs, and then to some coaches, then to GM Brett Veach, then to each member of the offensive line, and to whoever else was in his path. The general and his troops sharing six-second pieces of love after Kansas City broke its half-century championship drought with a 31-20 victory over the they-didn't-know-what-hit-them 49ers in Super Bowl 54. But the hill hugs seem more, most emotional, most meaningful, most moving, and that was fitting. Mahomes and Hill will always be connected by this one play and by this one game, the way Bradshaw and Swan are remembered for Super Bowl X, the way Montana and Taylor are connected by Super Bowl XXIII, the way Young and Rice are bonded by Super Bowl Twenty-Nine, and the way Manning and Tyree will always have Super Bowl Forty-Two. Mahomes and Hill will always have 3rd and 15. They'll always have 2-3 Jet Chip Wasp. That's the 44-yard pass from Mahomes to Hill with the Chiefs down 10 on 3rd and 15 with 7-13 to play. It's the play that wobbled the 49ers' formidable defense, the biggest play of Mahomes' life and certainly of Hill's, and, as it turned out, the biggest play of Andy Reid's career too. Reed told me in the, in the solitude of his office post-game, we call it Wasp. Literally put the stinger on him. Crazy thing is, quarterback's coach Mike Kafka said, Patrick called it, he asked for it, and Andy called it. That is just perfect. How many Super Bowls have had a clear goat after three quarters turn into a clear MVP after four quarters? How many Super Bowls have had that person not only make the biggest play of the game, at 25 no less, but be most responsible for running the play that won it? Actually, I'll correct that. Mahomes is 24. Excuse me. Sunday night was quite a night, quite a way to cap the 100th season of professional football in the United States. We haven't even mentioned that Andy Reid can win the big one. Winning his 222nd NFL game on 2-2-20 and even pilfering a play from Kyle Shanahan's playbook in the process. More about that later. The Chiefs actually played a perfect game for them. This is why. They were behind by double digits. Kansas City rallied from 0-24 to to beat Houston in the divisional round. 7-17 to to beat Tennessee in the AFC Championship game, and 10-20 to Sunday night in the Super Bowl. The difference this time. The first two deficits were in first halves. The Chiefs trailed the Niners in the Super Bowl by 10 with eight minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Reed's play design and play calling his best traits were huge. Not just on Wasp, but on several 
back and forth on the sidelines with Mahomes, with offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and with Kafka. That's one of the advantages of sitting over there with Mahomes, Reed said. You get a feel for what he likes. All the coaches and Mahomes like the play Shanahan first ran when he was offensive coordinator at Washington in 2010, overloading the offensive line with an extra receiver in a tight formation, and then having the receiver, in this case Sammy Watkins, leak out to an open seam up the left side. Mahomes to Watkins, gain of 28. Every week, Reed has his offensive stab draw plays on the whiteboards in his office, and in preparing for this game, that is one of the plays they loved. Now, in fairness, Shanahan called it first, but many teams call it now. And it came back to bite Shanahan on Sunday, on a second quarter, leading to a second quarter Chiefs field goal. Mahomes did what great quarterbacks do and what he's done so often since being drafted 10th overall in 2017. He forgot the bad plays fast. Mahomes threw the first two picks of his postseason life on consecutive series in the second half. One, a ridiculous throw right into the arms of Niners linebacker Fred Warner in Niner territory. Two, he threw a pass behind Hill, it was tipped, and it was picked on the next series. When I asked him about those at his locker, a couple of Chiefs officials shielding him from a small crowd. The look on his face was more embarrassment than anything else. Right here, the way this game turned reminded me of Russell Wilson in the 2014 NFL NFC Championship game. Remember? Wilson threw four picks to put Seattle in a huge hole against Green Bay, then led two TD drives to send the game to overtime and won it with a laser touchdown throw to Jermaine Curse. Wilson's indomitable. He is just indomitable. Mahomes is getting to be on that plane, too, with three touchdown drives in the last half of the last quarter of the season. We got MV Pat on our side, defensive tackle Chris Jones crowed. Well, the rest of the world, maybe we weren't all so sure. This being a night game and this column being ridiculously long, much has to be done as the game is in progress. Early in the fourth quarter with the Niners up 20-10, to 10, Mahomes threw his second straight interception. And I went to the awards section of this column and started typing. In the go to the week section, I put in Mahomes' name and wrote, a bummer of a game. Certainly the worst big game he's played in his three NFL seasons for the most dangerous quarterback in the game with no indication that such a stinker was coming. Oops. Good thing there's a delete button on this laptop. But when I got a few minutes with Mahomes postgame, he sounded like he'd have given himself go to the week if, in some other life, He'd been a sports writer with a silly column like this. When he talked about the interceptions, he was clearly pained. The first one, Mahomes said, was horrible. I tried to do too much, stretching the guy, 
referring to Warner, and trying to make a perfect throw, which I probably should have never done. Hit him right between the five and the four. And then the second one, to be in field goal range and then throw a tipped interception, I thought that was going to hurt us a lot more than it did. It was definitely something that made me very sick. With 8.53 left in the game, Mahomes trotted out to the huddle. He told the other 10 guys to keep fighting, keep believing. you got to believe, 10, he said to Tyreek Hill, who is number 10. Maybe Mahomes did or maybe he didn't. But if the Chiefs were to come back, they'd need Hill's speed and the greatest move of any receiver in football, catching passes from Mahomes. On second and 15 from the Kansas City 35, Mahomes underthrew Hill on a 16-yard stop route up the right seam. Like, he really underthrew him. Hill dove to catch it, and it was ruled a good catch, but at the last second, Shanahan threw the challenge flag. He won the challenge. Now it was third and 15. Earlier in the half, in those sideline confabs you always see Reed having with Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy and Kafka, Mahomes told Reed he loved Wasp. Yeah, yeah, Mahomes told me. I just wanted to run it to get out there and give Tyreek a chance to make a play. How they were playing, I knew it would be Tyreek one-on-one with the safety. This was the same play Mahomes used in the AFC Championship game last year. The Patriots blanketed Hill, holding him to one catch for 42 yards. And that one catch came on the Wasp play. So on the play, Kansas City used a three-by-one formation, three receivers to the left, one to the right. On the left, wideout Sammy Watkins was wide left, Hill inside, and Travis Kelsey inside of Hill next to the formation. On the right side was backup tight end Blake Bell. So the Chiefs ran the play in the first half. A setup, Kafka, the quarterback coach, said. Deep safety Jimmy Ward in the first half saw Hill run right at him. And so midway through the fourth quarter, with the same play call and same formation, Ward obviously assumed Hill was coming at him again. With Watkins running a short in-cut and Kelsey idling through the middle to attract attention, Hill sprinted at Ward. Then Hill cut to the corner. Ward wasn't ready for that. The line of scrimmage was the Chiefs' 35. Mahomes, who'd taken a pistol snap at his 30, ambled back to the 22. The line had to give me a bunch of time, and those guys did, Mahomes said correctly. Meanwhile, Hill was floating into a spot around the 25-yard line of the Niners, absolutely wide open. San Francisco defensive coordinator Robert Sala will have nightmares about this play, the play that ruined his heretofore superb defensive plan. From the Chiefs' 22 to the Niners' 22, that's how far this ball traveled, 56 yards in the air. And it landed right on Hill's hands, with Ward arriving a half second too late. Gain of 44. That led to a rollout one-yard TD pass to Kelsey. And when Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't come up with a drive on the ensuing Niners possession, Mahomes responded with a 65-yard drive in two and a half minutes to take the lead. 
Damian Williams scored the last two TDs for the Chiefs, and he won the battle of undrafted running backs. Damian Williams, 104 yards and two scores. Raheem Mostert, 58 yards and one touchdown run. So here's why I said this was a perfect game for the Chiefs. It's not because they played a perfect game. They didn't. It's because the game illustrated everything Reed is built in Kansas City. He built the quarterback who, though just 24, has become a part of the decision-making process. Reed built a team that trusts he'll put them in the best position to win. He built a team that's all for one, one for all. Even after this game, he was still hearkening back 54 weeks to the AFC title game loss to New England when the departed D4 jumped offside, enabling the Patriots to have life late. It wasn't D4, he said. It was all of us. We were all four inches off. That kind of stuff is corny. I get it. But his players know that that is Andy Reid. The same way Reid deflects blame for the Donovan McNabb Super Bowl faux pas slow play 15 years ago is the way he takes on the heavy stuff to this day. After the game, Kansas City Medicals are in longtime Reid confidant Rick Burkholder said to me in Reed's office, can I tell him the practice story? Go ahead, Reed said. So it's 10 degrees outside the Wednesday before the AFC title game, Burkholder tells me. Andy tells the team practice was going to be outside. They don't flinch. They figured there must be a reason for it, I guess. And Reed told me, I paused after telling them. Nobody gasped. And so I asked, what did you do, practice inside? I said, yeah, like always, Reed said. As Burke Holder finished, the point is, they want to win it for him, and he wants to win it for everybody else. So Reed is one of those sunny, sunny side of the street guys. He might doubt his players sometime, but he'll never say he doubts them. I told Reed that Mahomes threw a ball right to Fred Warner for an interception and another one right behind Hill. And maybe it just wasn't his day. I never think that, Reed said. I always think with him, keep firing. I've seen it before. Right when you don't think he's going to do something, he rips your heart out with great plays. You saw that with with Larry Bird. Larry Bird might have gone cold for a little bit, but he kept shooting. That's what you do with the great ones. This kid's young, but he's great. He's going to do nothing but get better. Luckily, Mahomes said, I got to bounce back in the fourth quarter and get the win. You know, there's not a lot of luck involved with Patrick LeVon Mahomes II, the son of Major League pitcher Pat Mahomes, and godson of Major League pitcher LaTroy Hawkins. Patrick Mahomes once took batting practice with Alex Rodriguez and was a draft pick of the Detroit Tigers and, of course, a draft pick of the Chiefs. He first thought of winning a Super Bowl as a goal in middle school when he heard players say, I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) I knew I wanted to do it then, he said. But now that I'm here, I also know 
I wanted to win this one for the coach. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I don't think he needed the Lombardi Trophy to prove that. But now this put all, puts all doubts aside. Reed is the sixth winningest coach in NFL history. His 222nd victory was his first Super Bowl title. The five coaches above him on the all-time list, they've won 26 championships collectively. He might have said it didn't matter to him as much as the outside world thought. In fact, he said that to me last week in my column. But sitting in his office in a foreign stadium, the big red coaching clothes still damp with Gatorade from the on-field shower he took 90 minutes earlier, Reed really wanted to soak this one in. I'm not sure it's sunk in quite yet, but it's sunk in enough to know that I appreciate it, he told me. You're humbled by it. So many people, so many years have been involved with it. I understand, though. I truly understand. This game is not about one person. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of people, great people, and it's special. We're in it to win it, right? That's one of the reasons you're coaching football, is so you can get to the finals with that team, build that team, get together with that team, and, and enjoy that fight to winning a world championship. From that standpoint, I'm thrilled. I'm very excited. That was one of our goals. But it's not about one guy. It was about our goals as a team. Now it was time to go. Long past time. Reed's VP of Communications, Ted Cruz, told him the buses were waiting for him. Reed is a polite man. But on this night, it looked like he wanted to sit and talk about this game and his coaching life all night. Ted, Reed said, we can take an Uber. Don't worry. We're good. And that is my story from inside the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl uh, 54 winning locker room. Really kind of enjoyed it tonight. That was, uh, that was a really, really fun football game and so many fun things to report on and to talk about. Uh, the one other thing I wanted, one other thing I wanted to play for you is a conversation I had, about a six-minute conversation this week with Richard Sherman. Uh, I asked him about the influence of Kobe Bryant. I'm not sure if you're all Kobe'd out or not. And if you are, you feel free to skip that and go right to the Adu haiku. But let me talk about the influence of Kobe Bryant on one of the leading black athletes of this generation, Richard Sherman. If you were to say what effect Kobe's whole life had on you and had on you even after he played basketball, what effect did you have watching him as he went into his next life? It, it, it told me no matter how great, now you want to be the greatest to ever play your sport. You want to put everything you can into it, blood, sweat, and tears, be obsessive over it to the point where, it, where it's odd and you're an eyeball and you're, people look at you like, man, you take it too seriously. But once you're done, you want to be so great in your second life that they look at that, what you did in sports as secondary. 
and that's what I got out of it, and that's what I got out of his career and what he was starting to do um, outside of basketball, and and that's what I'm going to try to do once I'm whenever I'm done with football. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, it, you have to be the greatest at it, and that really, like, the mentality that you take from sports, the competitiveness, the the drive, the 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 consistent work ethic. Should should apply to every everywhere you go. You know, it should apply to being a father. It should apply to to if you're going to be a, a commentator or a journalist to to being a journalist. If you're going to if I'm going to be a doctor after this, then go back to school. And then I need to put the same commitment into it. Do you have any idea yet? No, I have no idea. Wow. I have no idea. I, I've got some options, but um, me and the wife are going to sit down and talk about it in a couple of years. Hopefully, God willing, I stay healthy um, and can play that long. Um, but we're I'm not sure about coaching. People have been talking about that. I'm not sure I have the patience for coaching. As somebody who has very little interest in the NBA, I'm not a big NBA guy. I never met Kobe in my life. Oh, man. I can't get over the sadness. Oh, it's it's three or four days later. I can't get over the sadness. I think it's the other people involved in his daughter. But I have he impacted my life even though I didn't know him for the very reason that you're talking about he wanted to be great at everything I just there's such a great lesson in life in that it's there are certain pillars in life and certain icons that that become such a such a stalwart such a common everyday theme in your life that when they disappear I think it I think subconsciously it's 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 a greater loss than than almost sometimes people you know because it's 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 what you expect to be there. It's like it's like uh, Tom Brady. If something happened to Tom, or or like when Muhammad Ali was in his prime after he had retired, if something had happened to him then. You know, it's certain people that you that give you a comfort of being there, even though you don't know them. You don't. You, <laughs> sometimes you don't even you know what I mean think about them really, but you just know they're there and it's in your life and it's it's a foundational. You know, hey, this guy's going to be there. They're going to talk about Kobe, Jordan. They're going to talk about Jeter. They're going to talk about Muhammad Ali. You know, certain greats in these sports you just almost think are invincible. And when they show their mortality, it, 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 it kind of gives everybody a, a more than a wake-up call. It's like an earth shake in your life. And, and he's shaking the world. So I'm sorry to be getting this up a little bit late this week. Uh, my thanks really to... Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Richard Sherman for their help this week. Uh, and you know, I'm going to continue to write the column every week, obviously, as uh, as I've done. Uh, I believe this has become a year-round column. Uh, I, I think it became a year-round column in about 2002, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, yeah, it'll be a year-round column. I'll be doing something in the wake of the Super Bowl next Monday. I really want to write some stuff about the 49ers, too, and I just did not have time this week with the, the craziness of the postgame. But anyway, let's get to the Adu Haiku, and you all can get on with your day. The Adu Haiku. Debo. Jimmy G. That defensive front. Brutal. Some future, Niners. Thanks so much for uh, listening to the podcast this morning. Please go to NBCSports.com to read my column or go to Pro Football Talk to read my column. Uh, it's a fun one today. 
and at the end of the NFL's 100th season, or pro football's 100th season, rather, um, I think this is a this is a really worthy football game, and I hope you enjoy what I wrote about it. Have a great week, everybody. and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.